This Week in the 90s podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in the 90s. I'm Sarah Tiana. And I'm Chris Brockman. It's episode two. <laughs> we made it to two. We made it to two. We're doing so good. We're crushing it. Yes. Um, it's, Will there be a third? I don't know. Um, Great question. Maybe we'll get canceled after like two episodes. That happens out here all the time. Yeah, this, everybody's getting canceled. Everything's getting canceled. Everything is canceled. Everything is stupid. Except for the 90s, which is what we're talking oh, about. The 90s were amazing. Yes. Yeah, so um, this week is uh, August 9th through the 15th. Oh, yeah. So let's just recap what we're actually doing here. What? Yeah. So I can take the days August 9th through 15th. And I can pick one year in the 90s to highlight what happened on those seven days in one year of the 90s. Right. So that's that's where the idea for the podcast came from. We both love the 90s. We're children of the 90s. Yes. Uh, we grew up in the 90s. So we're calling it this week in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we're <laughs> taking the week that we're living in right now and we're Going back in time for one year during the 90s yeah, for this for just week. just those seven days. Yeah, so yes. we did uh, our first episode was... Uh, <laughs> Maverick is... A, our dog has decided to eat his dinner. eating dinner right now. <laughs> While we do this. He just doesn't want to be left out. No. He just doesn't want to be left out. I understand. And he's just in here... Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to make some noise. By the way, in a ruckus. he's never eaten at this hour of the day before. No, because it's it's because we're in here. Because like he, so our dog Maverick, his name's Lieutenant Pete Mitchell. We just call him Maverick. Yes. Uh, he um has incredible FOMO, so he never eats. Right. Because he's afraid if he's eating in the kitchen, you're probably playing tug of war in the living room, and he's gonna miss out. He's gonna so miss out. He never yeah. eats. So now we're in the kitchen and he's like, oh, this is probably a good time to eat because I can see them playing tug of war if they decide to do that. And he's so. going to need some water. So I'm going to have to get up yeah. and give him water. Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, so, yeah. so you we, hear that in the background. Yes. It's so we have terrible. 10 years to choose from for the week that we're currently living in. Episode one. Go check it out. Uh, all of our socials at Week in the 90s Pod uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yes. Uh, we're on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast and YouTube. Uh, so I did it last week. I kind of spearheaded yes, and uh, drove the bus here for episode one, August 2nd through the 8th. Mm-hmm. So now it's your turn, August 9th through the 15th. And the what year, year are we going to talk about? The year is 1994. Oh, 94. <laughs> yeah. Where were you in 1994? 1994, I was living in Maine. Uh, I just turned 14. Mm-hmm. Exciting, exciting. Getting ready for my freshman year of high school. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So yeah. August 1994, um, I probably had just started work. At my first job ever at the Nike outlet in Calhoun, Georgia. Wow. Uh, I would have been 16 and um, amazing. <laughs> On Wait, top of the you world. You were amazing or the Nike outlet was <laughs> no, amazing? No, just I was saying me, but there's absolutely no way I was amazing. I'm sure it was a nightmare. And uh, Oh, 16-year-old girls are terrible. Yeah, they're the worst. So, uh, yeah. I just started. Were you like a cliche teenage girl, like hate your mother and rebellious? No, and I was actually that? really good. Oh, like okay. I never came home late or like yeah. snuck around or did anything bad. You know, like um, 
I was in those um, just say no clubs, you know, it's like, right. <laughs> so no. what went wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's where I was. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to kind of do it a little different than you did. I'm just going to start. I'm going to kind of go through all the, th- unless you have a preference. Nope. Well, hey, dealer's choice. So you're going to go d- by day. So you're going to start with August 9th. How I'm are you just going to start with what I, whatever you feel like talking about. Honestly, August 12th is pretty much the only day I'm going to talk about. August 12th, yeah, 1994. Yeah, this day was a big okay. day. Okay. In 1994. Okay, I love it. Uh, on August 12th, Woodstock, New York begins. Oh, gosh. So that would have been what, like the 30? The 25-year anniversary, anniversary of Woodstock? the original Woodstock. Oh, man. Which was in Bethel Farm. And so this one in Woodstock, New York was at Winston Farm. They were 70 miles apart. Okay. Um. So tickets were $135. Oh, my gosh. Wasn't the first Woodstock just free? Free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Woodstock 2 was a disaster. Yes. Well, I always thought so until I was doing research on it. And then I was like, oh, it's not as big of a disaster as I thought it was. I remember it not even happening. Well, here's the thing. They sold 165,000 tickets. Oh, my gosh. But 550,000 people showed up. Oh, my gosh. Because and like so the big I think what I'm thinking of the disaster was that there was like the security and stuff was so bad so like security was super lax which is why people were just sneaking in and like doing like they're not supposed to bring in alcohol or food and they just had this like rickety fence put around thing like (laughs) people were just like oh we'll just move this aside. it was and definitely it like the fire festival, but on land. And it got people went. People went. So I mean, half a million people went. That's and wasn't a lot it like raining and all that so, stuff? Yeah. Um, the concert, which I didn't remember, was broadcast live on MTV Pay Per View. MTV Pay Per View. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't. Um, I didn't. You know, that was way too rich for my like. For I don't sure, think we yeah. ever got pay per view anything. When I thought I you was said though, it. you had one of those giant satellite dishes. Yeah, as a kid. but that wasn't pay per view. You just didn't get every single channel. You still had to pay if uh, you wanted pay per view. Uh, no, we didn't get every single channel. No, we didn't have HBO or anything. In fact, I remember my great great uncle Lenny, uh, who was probably in his eighties when he came out to visit, <laughs> and like, because you could move it and you could you would like when you get to the high channels, those are like the adult channels yeah, or whatever, and those are always scrambled. Spice channel, yeah. But like, just like a boob showed up, and he was like, "Hey, hold on." <laughs> Let me tell you what kids today will never know the right. joy that we felt. I felt young men felt in the nineties of going to the spice channel and you could hear everything that was happening. So that was usually enough for a 14 year old boy to, to, you know, to get himself going. Uh, but if the video froze like just right and the scramble and you saw a boob, Oh my God. <laughs> Like what happened? I won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a certain for about amount. seven seconds. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean we can go on and on about how pornography has ruined men, oh, but like, gosh. just like the- oh no, I mean no, pornography has definitely not ruined men. Uh, technology has ruined men's enjoyment of pornography. Yes, and I just think that yeah, okay, we don't have to get into that. That's <laughs> a different podcast, but yeah, I mean. 
Anyway, we didn't get pay-per-view oh, okay. for Woodstock. Long story short. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> paid to watch Woodstock. Um, yeah, so half a million people showed up. That's it crazy. Was, it was beautiful on Friday, which was August 12th was a Friday. Okay. Uh, so it was a beautiful day that day. Saturday is when it rained and got super muddy. Yeah, I, and I remember the pictures Everything of that. went crazy. So here's, I just wanted to tell you some of the lineup because these are like some of the old bands that I like okay, remember. Okay, so in August the 12th, 1994. 1994. Okay. Uh, Friday night, it's Delamitri. No idea who that is. You don't remember Delamitri? Nope. Okay. Uh, the way you are with with music, uh, with movies, I'm gonna probably be with music. Uh, Delamitri's big song. Um, of course, the internet is going slow. Is um. Uh, nope. Roll to me. Oh, okay. I know that song. Then. You remember that song? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rolling up into you. Here, I'm gonna play it for you. Well, I don't know if you can play it for YouTube. That's we'll get banned. But yes, I understand. Well, I'm just playing a snippet. You can't do. We have to take it out for YouTube. Okay. That's how it's you. It's on YouTube. Why you is get, it? That's how you get flagged. Because we're yeah. using their content to on our content. Okay. So anyway, roll it. to me was their song. Trust me, I know all about that stuff. Um, ah, they were a one-hit wonder. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, live, one of my live. favorite bands growing up. Live Wales. Especially 1994. Oh, that was for like sure. Great era of live. Uh, excuse me. Too much yingling. Um, <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. Okay. Collective Soul. Wow. And the Violent Femmes were all on Friday night. So it was a pretty good night. I mean, that would be like... Coachella. When did that start? Is that the, did they get the idea uh, for Coachella that? Coachella probably started like eight years ago. Uh, did they get the idea? No, for I'm just it? saying. I mean, I'm just saying. Outdoor, like, like, I mean, you had Lollapalooza. I mean, yeah, there were oh, con- yeah, yeah, that's like true, constantly that's like big. Um, Saturday night, Joe Cocker. Oh wow! So well, he was at the original. He was at the original. Blind Melon, Melissa Etheridge, Nine Inch Nails, Metallica, Aerosmith. They were also at the original and they performed. Uh, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash featuring John Sebastian, who was also at the original. That's amazing. Them. Yeah. So it rained Saturday night, and the field turned to mud. Yeah. And when Primus played <laughs> My Name is Mud, which is their big song, the crowd threw mud at the band, and the the bass player, Les Claypool, says he still has mud in his bass from the amount of mud that was thrown at them wow. during that song. Um, on Sunday, Green Day started a mud fight and the drummer was mistaken for a fan when he was jumping around on stage and got tackled by security and he had to go to an immediate like an emergency orthodontist um are you listening i am listening <laughs> it seems like you're researching something i don't know i was just trying to find pictures of all the mud from woodstock 94 well i think you should close that while i tell you what is going on okay but i just wanted to see the mud <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be focused on me, not the mud. I mean, I'm focused on you 23 hours a day. Close it. I closed mine while you presented to me. Wow. <laughs> you can cut that part out if you want. No, this is all real. This is everything, everything that's happening now is happening this now. This is our daily life. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Bob Dylan performed, even though he refused to go to the original Woodstock. And the original was... What? Yeah, and that was what was an interesting thing that I was reading, is that the original Woodstock literally... They decided to do it in New York, like basically in his backyard, so that he would come and play. It was like incentive. They were like, well, we're not going to do it in California. You know, like wherever. They were like, we'll do right. it near Dylan so he'll come and play. And, and then he did it. In a big open field, and he just didn't yeah, show up. Yeah, he didn't show up. And then <laughs> he came to the one in New York like 25 That's years ago. So it was kind of weird. Dylan's um, a weird guy. The Red Hot Chili Peppers performed in light bulb costumes on Sunday night, uh, and they're now on display at the Hard Rock in Vegas. So oh, I feel like interesting. we have to look at that <laughs> next time we're there. I'm sure we've seen it. Well, we stayed there for Thanksgiving a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash declined to appear because he wasn't going to be performing on the main stage. <laughs> like, can you imagine like inviting Johnny Cash to a, a huge event? Hey, and, like, you're going to be like, on the stage four. We're going to have you on the Monster Energy Drink stage. <laughs> Like off to the side opening for, you know, the webinars or whatever, you know, like That's some dumb amazing. band name. Yeah. Uh, Good for him for like, stand, yeah, like being, being like, like no, F you off. guys, I'm not going to this. Uh, what a, yeah, what That's a nightmare. Awesome. And then um, Nirvana said they might perform even though they had just pulled out of Lollapalooza, but Kurt Cobain committed suicide in 19, uh, April 5th, 1994. So. What, so four months before, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so there was no, there was no Nirvana, um, but crazy lineup and crazy. like, yeah, a lot of fun and like I, I guess I always looked Just at it as like a heavy huge, hitters. Yeah, with, I think I always looked at it as like this huge debacle, yeah. like the fire festival. Yeah, totally. But it was the complete opposite. Like I think it, people said it was gonna be bad, but again, here's no social media in the '90s, right? Like. Right. You hear like, oh, they only sold 165,000 tickets. What you don't hear is that half a million people ended up showing up, and it was a rager. Yeah, I don't really remember any of that. Like I said, no, because we were too young to really be going to concerts to, like that. No, yeah, didn't definitely didn't go to concerts uh, growing up. Definitely remember the perception of it that it was a colossal failure. Yeah, but. I mean, I guess, and you just remember the pictures of the mud, like the, pour, the pouring down rain and everyone crowd surfing, like before you made me shut my computer down. <laughs> uh, that famous photo of the girl completely covered in mud yeah. crowd surfing, like that's kind of the famous image uh, yeah. from the 94. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like it would have been amazing it to go to. It sounds like it would have been a really fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was Woodstock. Um, the number one song this week in August 1994 okay. was Stay, I Miss You by Lisa oh, Loeb. Lisa Loeb, great yeah. one. Yeah, That's great. You've done that at karaoke, right? I've done that at karaoke. I've yeah, always wanted to song, do that. I've you know, never done you it. You say, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was just like. She was just like so iconic, and so I was doing. Well, she had such a unique look. I think that also really helped her. She looked like the nerdy librarian, you hot know. school teacher. Yeah, she had those weird glasses yes. that like no one else really had. Which she, now she has a line of eyeglasses. Oh, great! That's Good for her. Cause that's awesome because that yeah. was her just look. Right. From 1994. Do you know how that song came to be? No idea. What I really remember about that song is in Hot Tub Time Machine 2, mm -hmm. uh, Craig Robinson is like, you know, he they obviously have a time machine, so they can go back and then they all become 
uh, Rob Corddry's character basically becomes Motley Crue, <laughs> and that's and invents Google but calls it Lugal, uh-huh. and then Craig Robinson is a singer anyway, but he goes back and just covers all these. He steals all these other great <laughs> songs and like, and uh, he. Rob Corddry calls Craig Robinson. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just recording that Lisa Loeb song. And his assistant is Lisa Loeb in the movie, which makes it really funny. She was definitely in. So she's been working ever since. Like, I always thought, like, like, recording music? Yeah. So she has recorded seven studio albums. Since 1994? Yeah. And five children's albums, including a big Broadway album that was called Camp uh, Capuana. Wow. So she writes all these, like, I don't know. She So apparently she grew up in Texas. Okay. Both of her parents were doctors. They were Jewish oh or whatever. She went to Brown. She's a failure because of that. Yeah, for right. For not being a doctor. She went to Brown, and um, that's where she started playing music. She graduated with a degree in comparative literature. From Brown? From Brown. So she is wicked smart. Wicked smart. And then she went to the Berkeley School of Music, which is where. <laughs> oh, she did. For like a year or two. She didn't even, I don't know if she finished oh, wow. there. But uh, that's where she started the band The Nine Stories, okay. Lisa Loeb and The Nine Stories, and um, which was named after a J.D. Salinger book, apparently. And then she was living in New York, and her neighbor was, her across the street neighbor was Ethan Hawke. Wow. And she used to write movies for all his little plays that he was doing in New York, like right? songs for the plays? Yeah, songs for his plays. Wow. And then he gets a part in Reality Bites, or his friend is doing Reality Bites, uh-huh. who is Ben Stiller. And he's like, hey, my friend Lisa writes these songs. Like, maybe you should take a listen to this one. And it's Stay, I Miss You. And Ben Stiller is like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, like, uses it in the credits, and it becomes, like, this huge hit. Wow. And she That's amazing. is the first woman to ever go number one on the Billboard chart without being signed to a record label. Wow. Right? Can you imagine? Like that would never happen nowadays. Like that, that would, would never that's only something because... that could have happened in the 90s. Right. Because now she would have an Instagram page and yeah. she would post music on her blah right. blah blah. Wait, e- by the way, even if this Even ha- a small label would have Even if this happened 10 years later, mm-hmm. she would have had a MySpace page and mm-hmm. MySpace was really big for music and yeah. like that yeah. is so insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Just like now, do you Same consider cool her neighbor, you know, like friends with Ethan? It's always with, who, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's sure. but it's also just like putting in the amount of hours and the time. And like she had been playing music for a well, really long time. Yeah, And obviously she's insanely smart. Like her parents are insanely smart doctors. She goes yeah. to an Ivy League school and is just like probably getting straight A's, but also screwing around with her guitar and mm-hmm, like writing songs mm-hmm. and the piano. Do you consider her a one hit wonder? Um, I mean, I, you said that she has seven studio albums. Yes. Now, are the five children's included in those seven, or is no. that so? That's seven regular "I'm a yeah. Pop Star" albums, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, you know what? But I also write right. children's songs." Right. But I always considered her a one-hit wonder. She's still working, so yeah, I think she's only had one number one hit. Right. She had a couple of other big. Like she had a couple of other songs that were like, like decent, but they mm-hmm. were never big number ones. So I would consider her a one-hit wonder because right, it's right, a right. hit. Yeah, you know, she yeah, had yeah. one big hit, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't consider her career like a failure because 
she's constantly been working and right. she's still generating income based on her career. And actually, she's still monetizing her one hit one or fame. Oh, sure, you know what course, I mean? Because she well, wasn't everyone hot. knows her name. Like it's a great Absolutely. name. Absolutely. You know, it's it's it, it, alliteration. Lisa Loeb. They're right. both for it's like a perfect name. Everyone knows her yeah. look. Like mm-hmm. you do even if you don't know her name. Oh, the with the glasses and the stay. Like right. you, you know who she is. Everybody does. Yes. So she yeah. So now she's like married with two kids and she has like a line of coffee called Wake Up Brew um, that you can only buy. It like donates to her like camp foundation. So okay. she runs like a charity for kids that's involved in camp. Thank God that she uh, isn't involved in like commercials that we all hate, like Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. It's though. just she doesn't do any sad stuff. She does a lot of happy, jolly stuff. That's what I'm saying. And kids yeah, I and know. Stuff like that. I feel like everyone hates Sarah McLaughlin now because she just does those like sappy, rip your heart out ASPCA commercials. Right. Those things are so I don't depressing. hate her for it. It's just like I it's the right do. song. It's super depressing. Ugh. Good for Lisa Loeb. I'm glad that she's still trucking along. Can't do that. We're gonna get banned from YouTube. Stop oh, I can't? it. Okay. I can't even <laughs> sing the song. No. Oh. Okay. Sorry. You uh, say <laughs> you just did it. Yeah, but you it doesn't even. Do it. But it doesn't You're even like get sound like it. I, I'm a terrible singer. Not true. I'm so good at karaoke. Yeah, you constantly say how good you are at karaoke. Sorry, I thought the baby was waking up, but he is not. Thank Which, God. Be careful not to yell. <laughs> Okay, uh, so you're two for two. Those are two good ones. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten the Brockman uh, seal of approval. Well, I don't, know. I don't pay you compliments in real life, so I might as well do it on the yeah, podcast. You do. You pay me a lot of compliments. <laughs> um, this, um, at the same time that she was number one, the song I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Another Boys to Men. I Boys know. Boys to Men last week for me. I know. I wanted to say something, but I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'll so, say and, it in so my week. By the way, there are two... Probably they have three monsters, right? Motown, Philly, and yeah. the end of the road, and then I'll make love to you. It debuted on the charts on August 12th, and then it two weeks later became number one and held that spot for 14 weeks. 14 weeks. And so end went, of the road held up for 19 weeks in yes. 1992. Yeah. Man, boys to men, 90s powerhouse. Still performing at the Mirage in Vegas. Remember, That's true. we would always see their dressing rooms next to Tosh when we were there powerhouse so, good for them yeah it was a big song written by babyface which i didn't realize wow mm-hmm. fun fact and it won the best the grammy for best performance by a duo or a group yeah it did yeah. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> by the way that's one of those ones like people try to do a karaoke and like in your head you're like i'm gonna do i'll make love to you it's awesome all the chicks will be eating it up they'll just like want me when it's all done you aren't boys to men you can't hit those notes no you can't like don't even try don't try everybody quit just try just look i wish i wish i had iso this is where you go (laughs) give me my one shot like my one shot would be right there like eventually we will have one shots and my one shot is going to be right there and then i'll cut to it and then i'll be like don't do i'll make love to you don't you can't do it 
Just don't do boys to men. It's very difficult. It's very unless you're gonna like get up with one of your buddies and do Motown Philly because that's like a fun upbeat song. There are rules in karaoke. <laughs> I know you have a lot of rules. There are in karaoke. There are in blackjack. There are rules to karaoke in people. Poker. Oh, there's so many rules. We are gonna lay them out. At we a should just do date. a podcast called Chris Rockman's Rules. We are totally gonna do that. <laughs> Episode eight is gonna be Brockman's Rules. <laughs> And I'm going to have different categories, and we're going to quickly lay out the rules. Great. Rule <laughs> rule number one. Stop having so many rules. <laughs> no more tie-dye outfits. <laughs> Call back. I don't have. I have my Brody shirt on today, which is good. Enjoy anyway. it. Um, this week... August 9th through the 15th, 1994. That's your week we're doing right now. The number one movie. Number one movie, 1994. Stars Harrison Ford. Is it The Fugitive? No. Oh, man, I almost got so happy. (laughs) The Stars Harrison Ford, 1994, is a huge movie year. It's a big movie year. I mean, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, I feel like uh, Shawshank's in there. Massive movie year, 94. Mm. So this week stars Harrison Ford. Hmm. Harrison Ford. Is it Air Force One? No. No, I feel like that was later in the 90s. Uh, It's the third movie in a series. Oh, Clear and Present Danger. Yes. It's the Jack Ryan series, which we love Jack Ryan on Amazon. So I think he's like the third or third person to play Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin played. uh, The first one in Hunt for Red October. Yeah. And then he played it in Patriot Games and then Clear and Present Danger. So. Wow. It actually broke Patriot Games record for the biggest weekend debut of a spy film. Yeah, monster movie. Um, but it only got 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and he got mixed reviews for playing Jack Ryan again. Uh, but it was nominated for two Academy Awards really? for sound. Oh, okay. Like mixing and editing, probably. Yeah. yeah. You know. Sometimes. Man, Harrison Ford. All those gunshot movies. What is your stuff. favorite? Uh, this is a question I like to ask. You're not a guy, so it may not work for you. But would you rather be Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. How come? Ah, uh, just cooler to me. Indiana Jones is cooler than Han Solo. Yeah, yeah I think so. Who hot take? <laughs> if we had a graphics department, there would be like flames and a sizzle. His over there. weapon is a whip. You know what I mean? And he's like. I think he's also hotter. He's I mean, got I always... a ship. He's got a, a Wookiee, and his weapon is the Wookiee. Nah. Indiana Jones is also Solo. You know what I mean? Like, his name is Han Solo, but Indiana Jones is like a real renegade, and he's a professor, and he's smart, and he's like, okay, you know, he believes in, like, preserving, you know, artif- ancient artifacts. Right. This belongs in a museum, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, I guess Han Solo only really cared about money. I don't know. I didn't watch all of Star Wars. You know that. I know. <laughs> Snooze fest. Yeah. Wow. Continuing on. Hi, Maverick. Thank you for yes, being a Maverick, part of this. Maverick, thank you. Very appreciative. Good boy. August 12th, 1994. Okay. Do you remember what happened in sports that day? It should have been the baseball strike. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That is the day the baseball strike started. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, you know, it's just, you know, it, it sucks. With everything going on with baseball now. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if baseball, you know, gets it together. 
Well, currently, but in 1994, there was a lot of great things happening. You know, the Expos yes. were in first place. Uh, Tony Gwynn had a chance to hit 400 that year. Ken Griffey Jr. had a chance to break the home run record. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, poof, like, yeah, baseball goes on strike, you know, lock the gates. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Uh, I forget when exactly they declared that there was going to be no World Series. But, you know, when that happened, there was always a hope that maybe they would come back. They could work out a deal. I don't even have to tell you what happened. You and already then, know. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things I got to say. I really love baseball as a kid. It's my first love. And I was such a huge fan. And I played. Uh, I played baseball for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I started playing when I was uh, six. And I played up and through I played up through college. And I collected baseball cards. I have thousands upon thousands of baseball cards and me and my friends when i was growing up lived in alaska we it's the greatest thing we did all the time we would always get together and we'd trade we'd make moves we just see what has what we're trying to put sets together and it was so fun and great and i and i loved the game and i knew every stat and i knew every single player on every single team and i could tell you who hit what and when and where and how and i could do the batting stances for every everyone every lineup and then the strike happened Man, for a 13, 14-year-old kid who loved this sport so much, man, it really turned me off. And then what turned you off? Like, at the time, like, did you think? I think at the time, you're, you know, you're that young. You don't really understand the, the economics and everything that goes into it, you know? So what the players are fighting for and what the owners think their stance is, and you don't get it. All you know is there's no baseball. Right. And... When all you care about is baseball and suddenly it's taken away from you and you don't really understand why, it just breaks your heart. It just kills your soul and you have to find something else. Yeah. And that's when I really went head first into football Drugs. and <laughs> cocaine and, and yeah, hardcore. Football. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, foot, football and oh, we got a cry situation. Mm -hmm. We'd have to take another time out. Yeah, I think we might have to. Um, I mean, right in the middle of my heartfelt I know. plea about <laughs> young Chris Brockman <laughs> being devastated by baseball. Well, you know, Cage is devastated too. But like, yeah, he I remember like, well, also. Yeah, I dove head first into football and basketball yeah. and, and college sports, like the big rivalries in Ohio State and Michigan and college football. Mm -hmm. and, and Peyton, I loved Peyton Manning when he was in college. Mm -hmm. And. You know, so then baseball kind of took a back seat. Yeah. And it took a long time to, for, you know, it took a few years for me to really hardcore get back into it. And when I did, it was really only about the team that I liked. Right. And so I stopped caring about every other team in Major League Baseball. You know, all 29 other teams, I really only cared about the Red Sox. And whereas in football and basketball, I knew everything about everything because I was watching all of it. And then when baseball came back, it was like, yeah, but are they going to do this again? Are they yeah. going to break my heart yeah. again? And it was so difficult. I can't believe that's been 26 years. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't believe how long it's been, you know, and like especially with everything that we went that went on leading up to the Major League Baseball season this year with yeah, COVID and right. stuff like that. It kind of was reminiscent, you know what I mean? And then everyone is saying Oh, the player, the players are being so greedy and stuff like that, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really see it that way. They already agreed to take half 
Yeah, Why do they have to take oh, a yeah, n- half sure. of a half? Um, and it just made me realize, you know, and people were like, this is 94 all over again. And I'm like, I, I, I really don't think it is because I think in 1994, had social media been around, the players might not have come out looking as bad as they did because the players totally are always agree. to blame because they're the face of the millionaire. You never see the face of the billionaire owner. Right. You never see their face. You see the face of the player. And to to you as a human, like as a just an average citizen, you go, oh, that guy's a millionaire. Why is it, you know, right. why does he need more of this or more of that? Yeah, it's so funny. No one ever knows what the baseball owners look like or who they are, really. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a fan of the team, then you probably know who your owner is. Uh, football, the owners are very, mostly well known to fans. Yes. But, certain ones but you know basketball and baseball no one really knows who the owners are or what they look like or they never hear them talk or anything and yeah. so yeah I, as i've gotten older it's just one of those things like you get older you learn more you understand things more especially the economic side like how anyone any regular joe schmo fan how anyone could side with ownership is just beyond me it's yeah like, it's so bizarre that that's kind of the only field that we we side with ownership or fans side with ownership on and, and not the workers. It's just like, you're a worker yourself. You would never side with your boss. Yeah. And no, I, know. I guess, yeah. you know, people just think, well, they get paid to play a kid's game and they should be appreciative and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, if you sign a contract and you agree to a deal, just talking about this year, for example, like they agreed to, back in March to take prorated and they wanted to play more games, you yeah. know, and the owners were willing to not even play it. I mean, Jeff yeah. Passan reported there were members of the ownership group who would punt on this entire season just because they didn't want to pay the players a full pro. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane that all oh, the players need to stop being greedy and get back on the field. First off, there was a pandemic happening. They don't yeah. need to do this. Yeah. Secondly, they're doing it because they love it and they know it's going to help heal the country in some weird way, which I think it probably definitely is. But, yeah, just the idea that the players would get blamed for this is is ludicrous. So when you think back to the 94 strike, the idea that it probably wasn't the players' fault is something that we we should entertain. Think about how long it takes to become a Major League Baseball player. You've got to think it takes 20 years, right? By, from the age you're five. Oh, sure. When you start playing baseball, you mean? Right. So yeah, if you, yeah. if the job that you're in now, if you didn't get paid to play that, to, it, it, if you started doing your job, mm-hmm. that you say you're an accountant, right. you start being an accountant, trying to be an accountant at the age of five. Right. And it took you 20 years. And by the time you got to 20 years, you started making, immediately you started making really good money as an accountant. Mm-hmm. If you factor in the 20 years that you didn't get paid right. because you worked this hard to become, yeah, I mean. By the way, and, and, it, they, it bro- doesn't add up. and they broadcast you doing taxes on national television and you had baseball cards and mm-hmm. you had endorsements for sneakers and cars and sodas and energy drinks and equipment. Like, yeah, and you would want to get your money because you deserve it. Yeah, because you spent 20 years trying to get right. there. And people wanted your autograph and... Like, but ninety percent of the baseball, uh, major league baseball, are not famous. They're they're yeah. 
But people see the average baseball salary is $2 million, and they think, oh, what a greedy guy to play a kid's game. Right. Well, well, they take home half of that. Right, if that. And where does a million dollars go nowadays if you play for three years? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, anyway, so I was really trying to, like, what a look, day. look into it. Um, and I was really trying to, like, look into, mm. like, um, the whole strike in it because I was like, I was really trying to figure out what it was and remember it and understand it. And I found this great article from this guy named uh, Dane Perry at okay. CBS Sports. Yeah. I don't know if you know him. But he said um, the owners were asking the players to give back some of their hard-won freedoms because the owners weren't able to unify. Just think about that for a second. The owners weren't able to come together and agree. So they were, instead they were like, well, the players should just give us some of the stuff that we originally gave them back. The owners <laughs> wow, barely crazy. negotiated, and they called the players. They kept calling. They kept putting it out there that the players are being greedy to play, and that's an right, easy right, right. word to, sure. for easy the word. media to take hold. Yep. They didn't really come to the table for 18 months. The owners. The owners. And when they did, they made proposals like players' pensions and health benefits come out of the players' half of the revenue. So... Like, so they're paying for their own pension and yeah. health care, which is right. Not it's not being matched by owners, which is right. like not something you would agree to at your work. You know right, what I mean? Right. So they came to a standstill that wow. owners refused to make a payment to the player's pension that they were mandated to pay. And that's when the players went on strike. So they oh, were wow. the pension wasn't even up for renegotiation for another year. And then the owners were just like, mm, we're just not going to pay this month. And then the players are like, all right, see ya. Exactly. The yeah. arbitration went to the U.S. court systems, and the U.S. district court sided with the players, saying the owners were not negotiating in good faith. So, like the highest like courts in the land were like, exactly. uh, "You can't do this. Like yeah, this, this is, is illegal. Like, yeah. yeah, it's illegal. You guys can't do this." Dane Perry also pointed out in his article that the owners wanted all of this to help smaller teams succeed, quote unquote. Right. And the strike ended up costing the Montreal Expos their entire team. Yep. Which was a small market team. Small they were like, team. you know, they're like, well, we just want to make sure that the, like, we want to instill, like, a salary cap and, like, make sure, like, yeah. and they, and they ended up moving. No, to they Washington. ended up moving to Washington, yeah. D.C. And um, they were in first place. They were having their best season. I know. They were six games ahead of the Braves. I remember. Incredible. Um, like you said, Tony Gwynn uh, could have been the first player to finish the season batting over 400 since Ted Williams. Yep. Matt Williams of the San Francisco Giants had a chance to beat Roger Maris' home run record. He was at 43 home runs with 47 games remaining. Wow. Um, the strike ended up helping Jeff Bagwell because he broke his hand on August 10th, and he would have missed the rest of the season anyway. <laughs> and on August 12th, they went on strike, and then he was voted unanimous choice for NL MVP. Wow. He wouldn't have even finished the season. Um it was the eighth work stoppage in baseball history. It's the first time the World Series had been canceled since 1904. Yep. It lasted 232 days, making it the longest work stoppage of any professional sport until the NHL lockout. Yeah, they missed a like whole 10 season. years ago. Yeah, there were 948 games canceled in all. Yeah. Yeah. The strike began because it's the owners wanted times. to reopen the collective bargaining. Yeah, thing. crazy times. Yeah, back crazy then. times. Crazy so. times. And I, I know I'm not the only one where, uh, you know, baseball got turned off for me and I went yeah. in other directions. I'm sure some people never went back to sports at all. No. I, you know, I found a different sports and 
was able to come back to baseball after some time. It's sad, Crazy. you know, it's like so baseball, like if you want to look at like where sports should be, the NBA seems to be the trendsetter. Yeah. And then everybody ends up following suit. Like yeah. the NBA, like opened up gambling and like immediately fires owners when they're racist you know like it's just like they take this like hard line and like everyone else is like well they've done a great job and the you know under adam silver's leadership yeah. in the last five years it's uh, it's been really impressive especially how they've handled the whole pandemic and getting their season restarted you know knock on wood so far so good so the only other thing that happened was on august 14th uh the pga championship happened and Nick Price from Zimbabwe won his second PGA Championship by six strokes over Corey Pavin. Oh, Remember wow. that name? Corey Pavin, great mustache. <laughs> Ended up winning a U.S. Open. You're, you know a lot about mustaches. Oh, yeah. Last week, Because you fingers. care about hair. I care about hair and facial hair, even <laughs> though. I mean, I can grow great facial hair. I can't grow regular hair. <laughs> Once upon a time, the kid had a great mane. The 90s. A great, beautiful That's why you like the mane. 90s. Oh, my blonde hair was amazing. I'll show you pictures. I've seen pictures. There's a picture right there. Well, it's got a hat on. What do you mean? I don't have any hair in that photo. That's my brother's graduation day, so that would have been like oh. 2006. Oh, I brought that picture out thinking it was the 90s. No. I don't know. When do you think? Well, I can't look at a picture of you and go, oh, that was 19. You Hold know. on. You can't look at this photo and not think, huh, he's wearing a gown. There's an orange in the end zone. That's probably a graduation. Yeah, I just thought it was high school. I didn't think it was like... Oh. I didn't think it was college. No. Sorry. How old do you think I look in this photo? <laughs> I mean, I've looked like 35 since, I, look, was, since yeah. I was 16. Every picture of you I, looks exactly I totally the same. I totally get that. Until you met me, then they all look really good. Yeah, I'm aging in reverse. That's what yeah. all my friends from college say. I'll take it. All right. That was a great episode. The baby's awake again, so time to go back. Right, that's it's time to wrap up. Adventures <laughs> of being parents <laughs> when you're in your 40s. Yeah. Awesome. All right, yeah. folks. Uh, that's it for this week in the 90s. Chris Brockman. Sarantiana. And we'll see you next week. This Week in the 90s podcast.